The Athletic. Welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Coming up, better late than never for United. Can Arsenal keep the Wolves from the door? And how to pass Barca? Hey everyone, it's Amory Batson here, filling in for the wonderful Lindsay Hooper. We've got a rotating cast of athletic reporters for you today, starting with the Athletics' Carl Anker and Harriet Drudge. How are you both doing? You good? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really well. How are you, Carl? All good? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good weekend of football. Brilliant Yes, it's been a busy weekend, so let's crack on. So first up, the FA Cup. Chelsea and Man United are heading to Wembley. Chankovic, lovely turn. Neat feet as well. Brighton, 1-0. Chelsea heading to Wembley for the FA Cup final from Daniel Carter, doesn't deal with it, Carter in, Carter clinical, Brighton back in this, 2-2. And here comes Zellum for Manchester United, and now she finds Williams, and the flag stays down, it's Rachel Williams, with the goal that could send Manchester United to Wembley. Yes indeed, Sam Kerr's header put Chelsea past Aston Villa, and United hit an 89th minute winner, to break the Brighton Hearts finishing 3-2. Let's focus on that dramatic game for United and Brighton. Carter scored Brighton's equaliser and Rachel Williams got the late winner. The big question we're asking today is, are veteran super subs the way forward? What do you think, Carl? I think in cup competitions, a little bit of know-how, a little bit of experience to help you get over the line is always much needed. And actually, Carl, you've written an article about this, about Rachel Williams. You talk about her winning the FA Cup in 2012. What a journey she's been on as a player, Carl. Yeah. So, you know, 2012 Manchester United women's team, as we know it, doesn't exist. And she's won an FA Cup there. And now she's put the final touches on United finally getting their trip to Wembley and possibly winning their first ever FA Cup. It's a, it's a nice little, hopefully, soon to be complete round circle. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. What a journey that team has been on for sure. But for Harriet, what specifically was so good about these two particular players in that game? I think just their their know-how, as we've already spoken about, but their composure as well. Those two opportunities, I think, maybe might have been spurned by players who haven't been in those positions as often. And just, the, yeah, the, the coolness in the finish. I said, I was watching the game with my parents and I said to my mum and dad, if that was me in that position, I, I'd be absolutely beside myself. I, I'd be panicking. I'd be like, I think when you've got too much time, sometimes you overthink it. But those two are just absolute seasoned professionals, aren't they? And they, they knew where to put it past the keeper. Seasoned professionals, indeed. I mean, Rachel Williams, 35 years old, played for Chelsea, Birmingham City, Notts County Spurs. Dan Carter, 29. She played at the Arsenal. Uh, she scored the winning goal in the 2016 FA Cup final. She's been, she played at Reading and now is at Brighton. I mean, is it a fact, Carl, that these two teams have seasoned, experienced players has helped them to get this far in the competition? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so at full time, Mark Skinner does his media huddle, you know, fist bumps everyone as he often does. Uh, and he mentioned Williams uh, being on the bench and said the great thing about Williams is that she's completely calm and serene and doesn't get flustered by these sorts of things. And I have full time there to chat about the finish. Uh, and Rachel said, oh, well, I was bad at finishing in training all week. So when I was in on goal, I knew I'm not going to try and pull it across the goalkeeper. I'm going to go near post. Uh, I think that's that's exactly what Harris says, right? To not think about, oh, what am I going to do? But then to think about, eh, I did this at training. Let me do this instead in you know superb execution in a moment that most people aren't used to. That's what you need. That's what you need in those in those sorts of games. Uh, Skinner also brought up how in the first half he was annoyed that United were sort of walking to throw-ins, which is that tiny thing that I wouldn't think about during a football game. Most people wouldn't think about during a football game. Oh, it's a throw-in. Yeah, okay, I'll walk to it. But in an FA Cup semi-final, you have to be quick. You have to get there. You have to be switched on. You have to have your sort of structure there. And that's why you need people who have been there and done that all the time to go, no, you know, the quality's not good enough on, on tiny things like throw-ins. Yeah, I think it's it's a fine margins now between where Manchester United want to be and where they are. If they want to take that next step towards winning trophies, then those are the things that they have to do week in, week out. And yeah, I think I think Mark was right to be annoyed uh, for that first half. There, there was a distinct lack of tempo uh, and urgency, and it you know it it showed. And there were some uncharacteristic mistakes that kind of you know it, it kind of has a knock-on effect to those kind of things where, you know, players see, you know, really experienced players in Mary Earps and Millie Turner uh, make some mistakes that you would never usually associate with those two. So, yeah, I think increasing that tempo really helped Man United get the result that they wanted. I'm glad you brought up Mary Earps, actually, Harriet, because that was, I think that you, the way that you just said that was absolutely spot on. It was uncharacteristic for her to make that mistake. Given what happened in the Brazil game as well and what's happened at the weekend, are we a little bit concerned here in Mary Earps or is it she's just having one of those days and was able to redeem herself in that semi-final? Yeah, I think, you know, it's the sign of a world-class goalkeeper that they can recover from that kind of thing if it happens you know if you make a mistake as a goalkeeper everybody remembers it knows about it if you make a mistake as a striker and you miss an opportunity it's forgotten within the next four or five minutes because you've probably had another go I think obviously those two mistakes coming from Mary in quick succession one for England one for Man United maybe mean that we're looking at her in in the way of oh okay uh, there might be something to look at here but her recoveries both times in terms of you know pulling off saves in the in the penalty shootout against Brazil and then making an incredible stop uh, against Brighton that followed the mistake in the first half shows the quality that she has I think maybe it is something that she will look at she's she's that kind of player she's that kind of person that she will be annoyed with herself that those two things have happened and she'll do everything in her power to make sure that it doesn't happen again I'm sure that will be the case. So let's look at the other side of the spectrum, if you like. The young swagger within the team, Carl. You talked about the quality of Lucia Garcia in your article. She's 24 years of age. Would you rather start a young talent like that or bring them off the bench? Oh, I think Garcia is a dynamite. I want her to start more all the time. I want back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back games from Garcia. (laughs) I think she's amazing and... I can understand why Mark Skinner is reluctant to give her starts. I think he should ignore that and and just throw her (laughs) in anyway. 
Uh, she so in the first half, United, you know, as Harry said, really, really flat tempos off. Yeah, you know, the angles were just a scooch off. And Garcia is playing like she's had four wheat bigs, two double espressos, and a little bit too much coffee. She's everywhere, running about the place, chasing loose balls. She has a moment in the first half where she basically would have scored the goal of the FA Cup. She you know, beats two Brighton players, doubles back on herself, uh, then has a shot, and you're going, okay. Hey, okay, you want to you want to win the entire game. <laughs> um, she has two or three moments where she overplayed the ball. It was one moment, sort of turns inside, beats a person, gets in, tries to play in Russo. But it was one of those ridiculous passes that you know Russo is neither ready for, or and, and Russo cannot run into space for. Uh, and when a pass goes off, uh, you know Garcia is sort of doing the hand gesture of, "Oh, come on, I want the one too," and you're going. Not everyone's, not everyone's had four Red Bulls like you have, uh, so to speak. Uh, calm down a little bit in the second half, and, and I think I think it's around by the hour mark. She gets substituted off because I think she just noticeably fatigued. You can't play a game of football like that unless you've got two oxygen tanks strapped to you. But yeah, an amazing player. I asked Skinner about that again, and he's he often talks about the need for consistency. There are games where Garcia comes on and you know. Women's Football Weekend against West Ham. She was amazing when she came on. But previously in FA Cup quarterfinal against Luke, not as good. And if you if we can get somewhere in the middle of these 9 out of 10 performances and the 6 out of 10 performances, we're going to have one of the Super League's best players, no doubt in my mind. Yes, I like, I'm like. i looking forward to seeing how much she's going to develop over the next few years. Question is, I guess, Harriet, why can't Russo score screamers like that, like she did in the FA Cup for England? Oh, that's that's the age-old question, isn't it? I think I think she's she's adapting herself to a, a new role in the team. So you know, coming on with twenty minutes left to play, you have a particular job to do, and there's probably more space. Starting from the beginning, there's not going to be that space. Defenders are going to be on you, and you know she's got a few different players playing in different positions behind her, and it's getting used to to that link-up play. Uh, so the opportunities haven't been there uh, as much, I would say. I don't think she's had lots of clear-cut opportunities. I, I, I was at Wembley for the finalissima. Is that how you say it? And I don't really remember Alessia getting much of a, a look-in, to be honest. So the opportunities need to come, and that is kind of on the squad as a whole uh, to, to make sure that they're, they're creating those opportunities for her. But I think there was an opportunity against Brighton at the weekend where it was an incredible save by the Brighton keeper as well. It was kind of like a, what was it? A overhead. Well, it wasn't quite an overhead kick. It was kind of a scissor, a scissor mm-hmm. kick. Oh my goodness. I was, I was out of my seat for that one. So she, <laughs> she, she has the, the capability. She has the talent. She has the confidence to have shots like that. Uh, I think she could do with a few kind of pullback tap-ins like tunes mm-hmm. against Brazil. I think she could do with a few of those to go for her in an England shirt to kind of get that confidence when she's playing for the national team. Recently, we've had two or three managers talk about the the variance of substitutes. So it's not just you replace like for like or position for position, but you you have a defence that not only is knackered from playing against Ellen White, but has to play against a different kind of striker because Russo, you know, bit bit you know trickier, likes running around the half spaces, still has a rocket of a shot, but. Uh, yeah, a little more of a passy player, if that makes sense, right? If, if passy striker, 
I have no idea what makes sense. Which, which, you know, <laughs> we'll take if, it, Carl. We'll take it. If you've it. been playing a striker like Ellen White for 70 minutes and someone comes on and is not only fresh, but is playing in a different way, that forces you to have to change your tactic. You're going, oh, do I get touch tight? Do I back off? I'm, I have to relearn all of these extra things again. Uh, so I think Russo could probably do with a backup striker who is different to her, which then causes that you know, momentary pause, pause in the fences. But I mean, the way Russo's playing, at the moment was superb. Her goal on Saturday was, um, I'm not quite sure she knew everything about it. It was a really weird one in that I thought Katie Zellum had overplayed the ball and it just came in a path of Russo and Russo's, you know, just went, I'm just going to hit this as hard as possible. And when you're in that sort of form right, and you're a player of that talent, sometimes hitting the ball as hard as possible, you end up having a screamer like that. So yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Okay, so here's the big question then. Now that we know the two teams are going to meet at Wembley, Manchester United and Chelsea against Chelsea, would you back Russo or Williams? Who's going to go first? (laughs) To to start? Yeah. I'm going for Russo. Yeah, 100%. The the inventiveness and the scissor scissor kick, as Harriet says, the fact that you can't quite know the ball's coming to you, but you just go, eh, I'm going to just twonk it and it goes top bins. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she's a superstar. And I, I just really like the the idea of Rachel Williams watching the entire FA Cup first half being just completely stoic and just waiting. I like that. Yeah, I saw that in your article. That made me chuckle. Like a, a car- stoic face. Like a cartoon villain just, <laughs> just waiting, <laughs> processing information, just waiting, just going, you ready for it? Like, yeah, sure. No worries. No worries. I've been here before. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely think Russo, Russo to start. Uh, I think Garcia will probably go to the bench for the final, but that makes me annoyed because I think he's amazing. <laughs> you can't bench Alessia Russo for a cup final. It's just, you know, she she brings so much to the team. She's she's strong. She works hard. She's quick. She's got an absolute rocket of a shot. And yeah, it's, it's a big game for a big player. Uh, and if she's going to do it, she can do it there. And I think... Rachel Williams has come on to score important goals for United this season already. And if you've got a formula that's working, I think you stick with it. I don't think it would be a case of, oh, you've missed your chance of, you know, like getting Rachel Williams on from the start. I I think, you know, obviously it depends how the game is going and hopefully it's not going to be a case of Chelsea 3, United 0 and you put Rachel Williams on. That would be worst case scenario. But yeah, I think, like I said, if you've got a formula that's working, I think you stick with it. And that formula could also be key because Manchester United are going to be meeting Arsenal in the WSL this week. We've now heard that Kim Little will miss the rest of the season with a hamstring injury. How big a blow, Carl Anker, is that for Arsenal? Big. I mean, this is this is an Arsenal squad that's been decimated by injuries this season. Good as Manchester United have been this season and, and you know they absolutely deserve their position top of the table. It's not unreasonable to think United are very much going, we we got to make the most of this opportunity while Arsenal are injured and hurt and really get into these Champions League spaces while, while Arsenal are having to deal with all these injuries. So, yeah, that injury to Kim Little probably tilts things more in Manchester United's favour. It's going to be a slobber knocker. Like, you know, this game, a the game against... A slobber knocker. <laughs> uh, a, game, a slobber knocker is a particularly pitched wrestling match where uh, loads of blows are exchanged. Basically, it's not going to be particularly pretty. Uh, and in of it, everyone's going to be scarred and injured. And be like, right, okay, that was a good belt. Brilliant stuff. A slobber knocker then, Harriet. You agree as well for this week? 
Yeah, um, I think Kim Kim being out injured is is such a big blow for Arsenal. She makes them tick. They've done incredibly well given the injuries that they have had to deal with throughout this season. To to be, you know, in the semi-finals of the Champions League, already have the Continental League Cup in their trophy cabinet, and still be fighting for the title, and knocked out of the the FA Cup by Chelsea. You know, one of the most difficult draws you could. Well, the most difficult draw you you could get with the holders. So, you know, it's testament to them uh, and and Jonas Eidfeld that they've they've done so well this season. Indeed. Well, as always, if you're listening, let us know your thoughts using the hashtag AthleticWFP. We'll say goodbye now to Carl and Harriet. Thank you both so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. For coverage of the other semi-final, go to Athletic and check out Flo Lloyd-Hughes' article. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Manchester United and Chelsea fans will be absolutely buzzing and Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney will also be delighted because Wrexham women are being promoted to Wales's top league, the Adran Premier, after winning their playoff 1-0 against Britain Ferry. One last opportunity for Britain Ferry to draw level and take us into extra time. One more chance for Wrexham to keep them out. Is there going to be a dramatic finish? Here it comes! Strikes the bar! Lonnie May will be off the line! Oh, dramatic scenes here at Leyland Park. Wrexham remain ahead. Great free kick strikes the bar. I'd like to see if the goalkeeper got a touch on that. And I think she, she did. did. I think she got her hands on it. Fingers by Delith Morgan. She is certainly Wrexham's heroine this afternoon. What a game she's had. I've got Delith Morgan with me here, captain and goalkeeper for Wrexham in that almighty brilliant playoff final on Sunday. Welcome, Delith. How are you? Are you down from cloud nine yet? Congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. No, I can't stop thinking about the day. My phone's not been able to let me stop thinking about it either. It keeps going off. Social media's just on a whole other level now. Yeah, it's just a brilliant day for the club. Fully deserved after all our hard work as well, especially this year. I've got to ask, was there any champagne, beers, gins involved afterwards, or are you all on soft drinks? It was a bit of a mixed mixture because like all of us, like we were all back in work or school or uni today, like it's back to real life today. So a bit of a mixed vibe based on what everyone had on today, really. Like, I'm I'm back in work today as well. So I'm glad. I'm glad that you still be able to celebrate it with messages from yeah. friends, family on the social media as well. I mean, let's talk about that last minute save. Talk us through that moment and also the reaction from your teammates as well. I didn't realise how close it was to the end of the game. I literally thought we had another five minutes or so because that whole, especially those last few minutes, it went very slowly. I didn't think about it. I just went for it. Natural instinct kicked in and I went for it. Managed to get hand on to it, tip onto the bar and that's enough. Then my teammates following up behind, making sure there wasn't a tapping on the other side of the goal. I got a little bit of cramp as I took off as well with my left leg and my calf, uh, my calf C stuff as I took off. But yeah, it was unbelievable. And again, I didn't realise how important it was, how close it was to the end. 
like you said, it, it's just instinct and that is years of experience yeah. and training coming through to to make that last minute save. And of course, cannot go in this conversation without mentioning the two gentlemen that are a big part of this story, as mm-hmm. well as yourselves and your team, Ryan Reynolds and of course, Rob McElhenney. Have you heard from them? Any messages after the result? Rob's tweeted as the club as a whole, like congratulations on Twitter. Ryan's giving me a follow on Twitter now as well, so I'm buzzing about oh, that. God. Yeah. <laughs> Noticed that last night. I had loads of new followers and then I spotted his little icon. I said, click on it to make sure. Then I had a nice video from Ben Foster this morning as well. So, yeah, really good. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely to hear from Fuzzy on that one. I mean, it's such a story for you, isn't it, Della? The, the roller coaster that you've been on because you were part of the original Wrexham team, which was eventually shut down, sadly, in, in 2016. And then the team was relaunched in 2018 by the Wrexham Community Trust. And then Rob and Ryan completed their takeover in February 2021. And you rejoined in the summer of 2021. So many milestones in this story. What has changed between the old team and the new one, would you say? I think. The biggest thing and the main thing is that we have the club's full backing now. I'd never been part of a team who, where the women's section is valued just as much as the men's. Like when we speak with Robin Ryan, when we've met them and they see it, they, they just, they're so supportive and they're not false about anything. They just love it and they just want us to do really, really well. And, it's nice that we get these messages of support from the men's first team players as well. Like obviously Ben Foster sent me a video this morning and Phil Parkey, he was in our changing room before the game at the race course, wishing us luck. And we had a few of the players there watching as well. So just the whole vibe and even like the fans, like we've had more fans this year support us and obviously the uh, attendance at the race course a couple of weeks ago just sums it all up really. So that is probably the main thing from the old time to the new time. There's that full support from the club. And it's like, it's one club, whether you're playing for the men's team or the women's team, the girls' team, it's all one club. And and with my experience through coaching and playing, you don't get that really. Even at the biggest clubs, you don't really get that support. But Wrexham being the best support I've been involved with. Could you have imagined when you were in that team, the original Wrexham team, to where you are now? Could you have imagined this ever happening? Because it, it, it must seem like a dream, right? Absolutely. Like, I've been a Wrexham fan my whole life as well. My dad's grown up in Wrexham and he's always took me and my brothers to the games and stuff. And like, as Wrexham fans, we never knew, we never could have imagined this would have happened to the club as a whole. We've been, the club been some really through really, really tough time financially as well and a history of difficult owners and stuff like that. So how everything is now, it's just um, as a Wrexham fan, as a Wrexham player, it's just amazing to see and really exciting for what the future holds. I know obviously Rob and Ryan play a massive part in that, but the the community as well, lifting you up, like you said, the amount of people that came to watch, how important is that to you and the team? It's fantastic. Like all season we've had so many fans coming to watch us and it's really nice because it's, it's a lot of young girls coming to watch us as well as but as with their mums and sisters or as their own football teams are coming to watch us and it's another thing about all this, like we're buzzing about playing promotion, getting into the Adjun Premier League, but we we know that we're inspiring uh, young Welsh girls and as someone who is I coach in the Welsh setup as well as part of one of my other jobs and I played football for years, it's um, really important for me that we're having a hand in helping 
to improve and inspire the next generation in North Wales of, of young girls. Really, really important for the future of Welsh women's football. Speaking of the future, there's going to be some big changes coming your way now for, your, for you yeah. and the team. What does this mean now? Because we said that you talked at the beginning that you're back at your day job today as you're talking to me. So what does this mean now? Will you become semi-pro? Will you have to train more often? What, will you have to give up your jobs to concentrate on this? I will be totally honest. We don't know a lot about it. We know as much as everyone else does, really. I think a lot of it is riding on whether we got promoted or not. So now that we're promoted, I think we'll get to know more details about it all. But the fact that we might be paid some money to play, that I've never been paid to play in my life. Um, so it's a little bit of a dream come true. But yeah, the details of how it's going to look, how it'll work, I'm totally honest. I, I don't know just yet. All right. So from a, an emotional point of view, from that sort of point of view, does it? do you feel different now? Do you feel like, yeah, I'm a, um Adran player now? Does it feel different? We're still absolutely buzzing. We, we know we've got a tough year. It's going to be tough next season. We know the type of teams that are in that league. But we've shown that we can compete with them this year. We've beaten teams in that league as well. And it's just going to be a complete different ball game going from winning. We run every game of season in the North Wales League to having to really grasp and try hard. And I think the game yesterday was a bit of a look into the type of games that we might have to deal with next year. Because Burton Ferry were a very good team and equally deserves to be promoted as well. And it's just a shame that only one of us could go up. Then the Welsh Cup final next week, so they obviously deserve to be there as well. But yeah, it's really, really good feeling to be able to have a chance of competing the best in the highest league in Wales as well. Well, before you go back to reality and back to the day job, I have to ask you, Delph, what is it you actually do? I have I have three jobs. So uh, this this is my day job. It's like I work for a company called Denbyshire Leisure Limited, sport development basically going to schools that out in the community with, with kids all the way up to the elderly. My other job is I work for Liverpool Football Club. Uh, so I'm, an, I'm the under-21 women's goalkeeper coach. Uh, so that's part-time along with this one. And then my third job is I work with the Welsh FA, uh, with the Wales under-19s and the goalkeeper coach there. So whenever there's a camp, I'm away on that. So I was away on camp last week, actually, with the team um, in the Euro qualifiers that we had. So, yeah. Three jobs and then I play football on, on the side for fun. But that's gone massive now as well. And it's going to keep growing and growing. I am <laughs> sure of that. Absolutely sure. Of Della, thank you so much for joining me. The goalkeeper, Wrexham, all the best for the next season as well in the Adran Premier. Thank you very much. Now we're going to look ahead to the big one, the Champions League semi-finals with not one, but two English teams. The Athletic Charlotte Harper, Art de Rocher and Laia Cervello are here with me to chat this through. And we've got a lot to talk about. So my first thing we want to get going is what has changed since the teams last faced off in a Champions League? Let's start with you, Art, talking about Arsenal. Hi guys. <laughs> yeah, I think um, from an Arsenal perspective, it's been really interesting to see them grow under Jonas Edeval, even going back to before they played Wolfsburg uh, last season. So the Barcelona games in the group stages of last season, I think they were just across both opponents shown a real lesson in terms of the benchmark that they had to reach, um, definitely on the pitch. I remember the Barcelona game, there was a point where 
I think Arsenal were trying to build up and Barcelona had like nine or 10 outfield players in the Arsenal half. And that was just a real kind of eye opener in terms of how teams can smother you in Europe. And I think Arsenal, in a way, have started to do that to their opposition, both in, in the WSL and in the Champions League. I think in the Bayern Munich game, even in the first leg, you just saw how intense they were. And obviously they've uh, fed off the, the fans at the Emirates. So I think they've got a lot stronger foundations than they did when they played Wolfsburg last year, which should put them in decent stead. But of course, uh, the injuries to Kim Little, Vivian Miedema and Beth Mead are not so timely. So it'll be uh, a difficult one, but I, I do think they'll still have a lot of belief, especially with how they've performed over the last month against Chelsea in the Conti Cup final and Bayern and Manchester City in the league as well. So I think it'll be a really interesting one to see how their development has gone. Kim Little is out for the rest of the season with a hamstring injury. Of course, that's a massive impact for Arsenal, not just on the terms of the WSL, but also for the Champions League as well, mate. Yeah, major. Um, obviously, it happened during the Bayern Munich second leg in a really weird moment where she was brought down on the counter-attack, but no foul was given. And now she's out for the season. But I think for Arsenal, they've already kind of looked at what their next solution can be, um, which is Leah Williamson stepping into midfield. And what's, I guess, interesting is they're not just looking for uh, Kim Little 2.0. So obviously, Leah Williamson and Kim Little are two very different profiles of players. And it's a good thing, I think, that Jonas Yudeval has clocked onto that. And I think I spoke to him after the Manchester City win and he said, what I've realised now is basically I can't, shoehorn players into specific roles. I need to play to their strengths. And I think the whole 90 minutes against Manchester City was just a, a demonstration of that really where Arsenal benefited from Williamson being a lot more aggressive than Little tends to be. And that's what really got them control of that game after a difficult first 20 minutes. So I think that's what they're going to really feed into. And it helps that it is Leah Williamson who is that person because I think we saw at the Emirates against Bayern that not just her al alone, but there is a lot more that goes into the energy around that team when the fans are on their side. And I think at the Emirates, you really felt that where the fans were very annoyed at certain points with, say, certain decisions, but also they were very encouraging um, at certain points in the game as well. And I think the players really feed off that. So for now, without Kim Little for the rest of the season, it's about finding a way um, that suits Arsenal to play, uh, which I think they they have found. But also, I guess if that doesn't work, then what's the, the plan C? And I think they've also so shown glimpses of that against Manchester City as well when they went to a back three and were a bit more, I don't want to say dependent, but... Uh, they utilised the wide areas a bit more, I'd say. Um, and yeah, it's just an interesting time, I think, to see how that squad is really working. Because I think when you rewind to the squad Edeval inherited, it wasn't as there wasn't as much depth, especially when you look back to when Joe Montemurio was in charge. I think there were games where he only had four or five players on the bench. So... Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, 
an interesting time where I think Arsenal are showing that they are a lot more than just Beth Mead, Vivian Miedemar and Kim Little. I think the fact that they've gone this far without those players is a real, a real testament to the squad. Uh, how did you react to that scoreline of Bayern Munich nil, Wolfsburg five? Because somebody sent me that. Yeah. Oh. So that that went obviously it was massive in terms of the Arsenal Twitter circle, and I didn't really know what to think of it because so just before the second leg against Bayern, they actually I think they beat Wolfsburg and then came to the Emirates. So. I honestly don't know what to think of it. And I think if I if I think too much, I'll just stress too much. So <laughs> And we don't want um, that for you, Art. We don't want you to stress. No. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, I saw it and I thought, wow. And then I went on with my day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I feel Charlotte for Chelsea, they've been on this real roller coaster ride when it comes to the UEFA Champions League, haven't they? Because we were both at that absolute epic against Lyon. I think we've both recovered from that now. Chelsea, of course, they lost 4-0 to Barcelona in the 2021 final. So what's changed for them, do you think, since they last met? That final was really quite odd. Remember, we were in COVID. So I flew out to Gothenburg. There were no fans, really eerie. And Chelsea conceding that own goal within the first minute. It just didn't go to plan for Chelsea against Barcelona at all and they were completely outclassed but a lot has changed in that two years and a lot hasn't so that that first final for them it really felt like they were the newbies quite inexperienced going in with kind of wide eyes as not sure what to expect and now they've got that experience under their belt and you you can't fake or replicate that Champions League final experience especially against a team like Barcelona so on that front you think okay Chelsea in a really good place they've racked up this experience their Champions League group stage was very clinical very efficient only Barcelona scored more goals than them they really performed well away against PSG but then you come in and Chelsea have never really got into fifth gear this season we, we haven't seen the full clicking, well-oiled machine that Chelsea can be. And similar to Arsenal, injuries, Chelsea are without their first choice centre-back pairing of Millie Bright. Emma Hayes said she's definitely out for the first leg. Kadisha Buchanan is a maybe as well. And if you think Panilla Harder and Fran Kirby started that game against Barcelona and there, well, we saw Harder was in the squad, but Frank Kirby is still injured and Chelsea are without Jiso Yun as well. So that squad has done it before and there is a core of that squad. Nearly 13 of the squad members who played against Lyon were involved in the 2021 Champions League final uh, defeat to Barcelona. So they do have that core, but they also have new additions. I mean, Lauren James, she wasn't even in the picture in 2021. Mjelda was injured in that final. And then you've got additions like Perise, Kanarid, Kankovic. Uh, so, yeah, a lot has changed, but not a lot. It's a weird one. It's a weird one indeed. Laia, for Barcelona, I feel like there's an injury thread that is running through this as well because, you know, Arsenal have got their issues, Chelsea have got their issues, and Barcelona as well have got their issues because there's no Puteas. 
unfortunately, that's going to be a big blow. So for what's changed for Barcelona as well over the last couple of years? The, the main thing the team has gained is in terms of uh, names. They have like strained very well over the last few years. In 2021, for example, like that, that game, for example, the fullbacks were Marta Torrejón and Leila Wahabi. Now you have Lucy Bronze, which is like one of the best players that Barca has uh, for now. Uh, also, Fridolina Rolfo, who gives a lot to Barcelona. She's one of the Jonathan Giraldez key players. I think they have grown a lot in terms of scoring goals also. They have better stats than they had that year. But I think at the same time, um, that year, like in 2021, they had all the makings of a perfect year. But I think like the lack of competition in the Spanish league uh, have, has affected the, the team because, I mean, they are used to, to win. And when they start uh, a game and they are not winning or maybe they uh, concede a goal in the first minutes, I think they just show their weakness, which is their mentality. I think it showed up like last year against Olympique de Lyon in the final and I think it's going to happen again if the team is in a similar situation. We've seen um, Alexia Piteas back in training and it wouldn't surprise me if Barcelona named her on the bench for the second leg just because of that name and that power that it brings. Yeah, I think that maybe uh, Jonathan Giraldet could, would bring Alexia for the, for the second leg, as you were saying, just for having Alexia in the bank. I think that's really... It would show like um, strength to, to the to the team, and also having like the best player in the world just there would be like something that maybe could scare Chelsea. But I, I I'm not optimistic on Alexia playing for like in one month more. So I mean, th- maybe the, she could be there, but I don't think she's going to play. Laia, how how big is the expectation for Barcelona to lift the trophy now that Leon are out? What is the vibe around the team? Can they do they believe that the, they are the favourites to lift the title? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, like the environment here in Barcelona, everybody was saying that this wasn't the year for Barca to win the Champions League again. Everybody thought, sorry, Charlotte, that uh, Olympic Lyon would pass to the next round that would be like the the next rival for for Barcelona and now that it doesn't happen uh, I think people just remember like the two last times maybe Barca has been in the in the final which has been with a a little bit of luck I mean they have played uh, well and they have deserved to be there but also if you have uh, maybe some more physical rivals. It would it would, wouldn't be that easy for for Barcelona. And I think it's not that year to be optimistic on Barcelona winning the the Champions League. But I think just maybe having uh, Olympique Lyon kicked out of from the competition would make things easier for for them. That really surprises me, Laia. Mm. Like, what what what? You know, you think Lyon are out, and so Barcelona have beaten Chelsea before. Okay, they lost to Leon last year, but they've got the quality, they've got the depth. Yes, they suffered defeat to Bayern Munich, 
but their performances have still been decent. Like, what? Why the lack of optimism? Like, we, from an English perspective, we see Barcelona as these powerhouses, the juggernauts that should be expecting to win the Champions League. Yeah, I think like maybe we have um, used ourselves towards winning everything in Spain. Like, I mean, there's no competition really in La Liga. I mean, like the difference between Barca and even Real Madrid, it's, it's massive for now. Uh, they are the only team that have believed in, the, in, the, in their women's team. And I think that's something that it shows up in every game. And I think maybe because uh, now you have like the feeling that maybe Barca, it's more weak than maybe other years. That's why we are not that optimistic. But obviously, if you see the numbers, if you see the stats, you could see Barca winning the Champions League, of course. I mean, yeah, like in Barcelona, we are very pessimistic. The, like it's our way of, of being. So it's that, that, that's why, I mean, if you see the stats, obviously you can consider Barcelona to like favorite, but Chelsea, the way they, they played against uh, Lyon, the way they struggle, but they have like the mentality of winning the, the game. It's something that maybe in Barca it's not that um, present for now. I, I mean, so I think that's why maybe like some people it's not that optimistic with, with them. Well, let's get some optimistic score predictions from all three of you then. So, Art de Roche, let's start with you. Wolfsburg v Arsenal, what are you thinking? Oh, that is a very tricky one. Um, considering this that away leg first, a one or draw will probably be as optimistic <laughs> as I'll go. Um, uh, I know, obviously, Wolfsburg were, I guess, the nemesis for Arsenal for, well, not even just last year, but if we look historically in the Champions League for the past 10 years, obviously the last semi-final Arsenal already was against Wolfsburg. So I'd say... Um, take a one or draw and then see what you can get at the Emirates where I think they've sold about 40,000 already. So hopefully they can, they can get 20,000 more. Uh, I'm going to push you a little bit. So on the return leg, so you're going one or <laughs> So the return leg, back on home soil, what are you saying? I will go. So um, this is going to just sound like fan fiction now. I'm going to say Wolfsburg go one nil up at the Emirates and then the Emirates goes wild. And uh, for some reason, it's Leah Williamson who scores from about 25 yards uh, to make it one or It goes to extra time. Nothing happens in extra time. And then penalties it is. And Arsenal go for on pens. There's a bit of fan fiction for yeah. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you've said it now, so it's out there in the universe. It's out there yeah. in the universe. Charlotte, your predictions for the first and second leg, please. Oh, I mean... Imagine if you'd asked me that against Chelsea Leon with the second leg and then we'd gone to penalties. Anyway, I'll get to it. Oh, no. I'm going to go um, Barcelona 2-1 in the first leg and then 2-0 to Barcelona in the second leg. Yeah, Charlotte is making me feel, feel bad because I think she is more optimistic than, than, than me <laughs> with Barcelona. <laughs> maybe I feel a little bit bad. Uh, I would say maybe 1-1 in London and 3-1 in Barcelona to Barcelona. To Barcelona. I mean, like play, playing at Camp Nou, <laughs> I think uh, like people is going to Camp Nou every time like, like the club decided to open the, the stadium for the, for the women's team. And I think it's quite difficult to, to play with that atmosphere and Barca is quite used to, to do it. So I think that would be like the, the main difference. 
Well, we've got some brilliant semi-finals coming up for this weekend. And that is it for this week's Athletics Women's Football Podcast. Thanks to Charlotte, Art and Laya. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Great to speak to Carl and Harriet earlier too. Cheers to producer Sophie for putting this together. But most of all, thanks to you guys at home for listening. Do join the chat using the hashtag AthleticWFP all the handles at The Athletic FC and at Offside Rule Pod. Until next week, take care. The Athletic.